This morning we'll be reading from Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf to kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God. Good morning. Emma, can I grab my Bible? Thank you very much. Might need this. My name is Adam. If uh, we haven't met, I'm part of the team here and it's so uh, great to be together this morning. We're in week three of a sermon series that we've called Lost and Found. Now before we dive into this amazing story that we'll be looking at this morning, I just wanted to take a moment to recommend to you a couple of books. Many of you know that I'm a reader and so I just thought maybe there's some other readers out there and so I'll help you in any way that I can. The first is called Honest Evangelism. It's by a minister in England named Rico Tice. Now the subtitle to this book is How to Talk About Jesus Even When It's Tough. 
Now this is a really helpful book because it not only helps you understand how to share your faith and how to talk about Jesus, but it shows you why. Why we should do that. It's only short, 100 pages, but really, really helpful in learning how to talk about Jesus. Honest Evangelism by Rico Tice. I would recommend that one. The other one is The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. Now this book has been one of the most formative books in my journey of faith. Uh, And this is an entire book devoted to the parable, the story that we'll be looking at today. And this gives you just a a beautiful picture of the heart of God and the heart of the Christian faith. So I would really, really heartily recommend that to you. If you think I would like to read that book, then I would love to give this one to you. So after the service, if you'd like it, come and see me and I would love to to give that away to you. This one I'm still finding helpful, so I'm holding on to it. (laughs) But if you want it, I can buy you a copy. Come and talk to me. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in to today's passage. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it shows us who you are and what you are like. Lord, change us now by your truth, by this beautiful picture of your heart for the undeserving. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever run away from home? Have you ever packed your bags and and hit the open road? I remember a time when I was around, uh, I think, six or seven years old. I decided I'd had enough and I was leaving home. Now, I can't remember what had offended my precious heart so badly But I do remember packing a backpack with toys and muesli bars and I think a couple of pairs of clean undies and then hitting the open road. Now, by open road, I mean peppermint drive. (laughs) I think I got 100 metres up the road before I'd had enough of that, turned around and went home to my comfy bed and my home-cooked meals. Now, have you ever had a similar experience? Have you ever run away from home? Now the truth is, this describes pretty well the human condition. We have run away from God, our true home. We find ourselves lost and far from God. This explains the state of our lives and the state of our world. And this is why Christianity is such good news. Because the Bible is the story of God's pursuing love. The Bible tells us that God has not remained at home, distant from us, but God has come in search of us in Jesus Christ. Jesus came from heaven to earth to seek and to save that which was lost, to bring lost people like us home to God. This is what God is doing in the world. And this story that we're looking at today from Luke chapter 15 gives us a powerful illustration of this truth. The story that we're looking at is popularly known as the parable of the prodigal son. Now, this is one of the most famous short stories in the world. I'm betting that we've all heard this story in some form here this morning. Charles Dickens, who himself knew how to write a story, 
He's considered the parable of the prodigal son to be the greatest short story ever written. But I don't want you to hear this passage, this story this morning as just that, as just a nice, quaint story. I want you to hear it this morning as truth from God. Truth about God's heart towards lost people like us. In fact, this is the main message of this parable. It powerfully shows us the love of God for self-indulgent and self-righteous people like you and me. And as we explore this parable this morning in Luke 15, it's important for us to remember the context that we saw last week. Remember last week, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were grumbling and complaining because Jesus was welcoming and eating with sinners, rebels, lawbreakers. And so to confront the Pharisees, these religious leaders, about their attitude towards these people, Jesus tells three stories. We looked at the first two last week, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And today we're going to explore the third story that Jesus tells, the parable of the prodigal son, or as it's also known, the parable of the lost son. Now, to be clear with you, that title for this parable is not the best title, because this story is not a story about one son. There are actually three characters in this story. It's a story about a father and his two sons. Look at what we read in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. There's three characters in this story, and each character is important, because each character represents a a person or a particular group. The younger son, the the rebellious son, represents the, the sinners, the lawbreakers, those who had run away from God but were now returning to him. The father represents God, who gives extravagant grace and mercy to the undeserving. And the older son, the the dutiful son who stayed behind, he represents the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders who dutifully served God, but hadn't grasped the heart of God. And the reality is that we can all see ourselves in these two sons. I mean, some of us relate to the younger son, the rebellious runaway. Others of us relate to the older son, the dutiful rule keeper. We can all see ourselves in these two boys and this is why this story is so well known because it speaks to every single one of us. I mean, maybe you're here this morning and you wouldn't describe yourself as a church person. Someone's invited you to church, someone's dragged you along to church, And you'd admit that if there's a God, you're not particularly close to him. You probably don't really know him. Well, this parable is going to speak to you. Because this parable shows you the heart of God towards you. Maybe you'd say, I'm a church person. I've been in and around church my entire life. I've served diligently and dutifully. But if you're honest, your faith has perhaps become dull or even dead. Well, this parable is going to speak to you as well. And it's going to show you a God who is far more merciful than you perhaps realise. 
This parable speaks to every single one of us. And we're going to explore this parable by looking at the three main characters. And it begins with the rebellious son. And the story begins with this rebellious younger son making a shocking request. He requests his share of the inheritance while his father is still alive. That's bold. And he's effectively saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Dad, I would prefer your money to you. It's hard to imagine anything as painful like, as this for a dad. Now, we're not told why he asked for his share of the inheritance. We're not told his motives. All we're told is that, amazingly, this father gives him his request. It probably breaks his heart, but he breaks up his property and he gives the inheritance to his younger son. And it doesn't take long for this younger son to get all of his things together and to hit the open road with pockets full of money and a head full of ideas about how to spend it. And we're told that he arrives in a far country and he begins to spend on reckless living. Translation, friends, food, drink and women. He spends and he spends and he spends until he has nothing left and his friends are gone. But to make matters worse, not only does he run out of money and not only do his friends run away, but he runs into a severe famine. And his only option to survive is to take a job feeding pigs. Now, for a Jewish person, this is possibly the worst job that you could imagine. Pigs, of course, were considered unclean by Jews. I mean, this was a totally degrading job. It would kind of be like a Queenslander taking over the job of coach of the New South Wales Blues. Totally degrading. Now this tells us something about the desperation of this young man. He has lost everything. No family, no friends, no money. He's jealous of what the pigs are eating. He is at rock bottom. He's at the end of himself. But as is often the case, when you're at rock bottom, you're forced to look up. When you're at the end of yourself, you're forced to look outside of yourself. And in verse 17, we're told that this young man came to his senses. He had a breakthrough moment. He realised the mistake that he had made. And it drew him towards his father. This young man decides to go home. He would admit his fault. He had sinned against God. He had sinned against his father. And he would ask if he could be restored to the household. Not as a son, he knows that he has forfeited that right by his actions, but simply as a servant. And so he gets up and he heads for home, back to his father. And this brings us to really the key question of this parable. How will the father react? Put yourself in the dad's shoes. How would you react? See, this son can get up and turn around and go home, but it's all for nothing if his father will not receive him and will put him back out on the street. It's the same question for us. If we want to repent and and return to God, that's all good and well, but the question is, will God 
receive us? And this is not a question of theory. This is a very real question for all of us. I mean, for many of us, the story of this younger son is our story. We can see ourselves and our life in this example of the younger son. We can see ourselves at different points on his journey. So maybe for some of us, we're like the younger son at the beginning of the story. We're in the father's house, but we're miserable. I mean, sometimes Christians think this, especially Christian young people, uh, that God is kind of like a prison and we just can't wait to break free. Sometimes we feel like we're missing out on all the fun and we just want to take our things and leave God behind. This is how some of us feel right now. Others of us, we're a little bit further along on the journey and we are far from the Father, we're far from his house, but we're having the time of our lives. Now, we've walked away from God, maybe it's not visible to everybody else, maybe nobody else knows, but we've found ourselves in a far country and it's party time. And if we're honest, it feels good to do whatever we want to do. I mean, the reality is that some of us are far from God this morning and we're not sorry. Others of us, though, have travelled a little bit further down the road and we are far from the Father's house and we are miserable. We've kind of lived like the younger son and it felt good for a little while, but now we are worse off than we were before. We thought God was holding us back from fun, but God, we now realise, was holding us back from pain. And this is the trajectory of sin. It often begins in fun, but it always ends in pain and darkness. I mean, this is exactly what happened to the younger son. He left home looking for freedom, and he ended up enslaved. He left home looking for riches, but he ended up broke. He wanted feasting, but he ended up starving. He wanted good times and he ended up in a pigsty. And this is what sin does. It promises us fun and life and satisfaction and it delivers for a little while. But eventually, it leads us to pain and hurt and slavery. And some of us have wandered far from God and we are miserable. Others of us, though, are just a little bit further on the journey. And we are on our way home to the Father. We've come to our senses. And now, like the younger son, we're rehearsing our big speech. We're turning to God, but we think that if we're going to come to God, we have to negotiate a deal. God, I know that we can't have what we had before. Not after the way that I've treated you. But can I just work for you? Can I earn my way back in? I promise that I'll be good this time. You see, some of us are trying to prove to God that this time we really mean it. We can all relate to this younger son. We can all see ourselves at different points on his journey and the question is, how will God react to rebellious runners like you and me? And this is why we're introduced in the the story to the next character, the forgiving father. Now, the younger son is still a a long way off from the home. The the home is a a bit of a speck in the distance. 
But then he sees that there's someone coming towards him. And they're running towards him. And he's a little bit nervous for a moment. And then he realizes it's his father. Now this is scandalous. In that day, men did not run. Especially wealthy older men. They would have to lift up their robes and expose their knees and it would be degrading and not dignified. But this father had seen his son coming from a long way off, which tells us that he had been looking, longing for his son to return. And when he sees him, he cannot help but run towards him, to embrace him, to kiss him, to welcome him home. Now the younger son, when his dad gets to him, he begins to say what he's rehearsed. He confesses his sin. He begins to make his request to be a servant. But the father is having none of it. He cuts him off. There's no question about this boy being treated as a servant. There's no question about him having to serve a probationary period or pay the money back. The father welcomes him back totally, fully and completely. He orders his servants to bring a a robe, a ring and a sandal. These are signs of status and honour. The son is being restored to his position as a son. The father orders the fattened calf to be prepared and to be killed. Now this calf would have been reserved for a special occasion. And for the father, this is the most special occasion. The son who was lost is back. He's found. The son who he thought might have been dead is alive and he's home again. So how does God respond to rebellious runners who return home to him? He runs to meet us, to embrace us, to welcome us home. He doesn't make us grovel or negotiate or pay back what we've lost and what we've squandered. He embraces us and he invites us into the party. Now I wonder if that's how you think about God. Many years ago there was a a theologian named John Owen and he wrote about how hard it is for us to really believe the love of God for the undeserving. He says, people are afraid to have good thoughts of God. They think it is disrespectful to perceive God as good, gracious, tender, kind, loving. I am talking about Christians. They can judge God as hard, severe, almost implacable and fierce. Is not this perception of God sole deceit from Satan? Was it not his design from the beginning to inject such thoughts of God? Assure yourself then, There is nothing more acceptable to the Father than for us to keep our hearts open to Him as the eternal fountain of all that rich grace which flows out to sinners in the blood of Jesus. Let me summarise what he's saying. God is far better than you think. And our small, narrow, harsh view of God, it's not only inaccurate, it's insulting to God. It's satanic. God's heart is wide and open and deep towards undeserving sinners like you and me. How do you perceive God's heart towards you? 
Do you believe the Father waits for you with open arms? Maybe you're thinking, God is so holy and I am such a mess. I've sinned against him so often and so inexcusably that God should really despise me. And I would, I would totally understand if he did. But the story of the Bible is the story of God's pursuing love. And it reveals to us that while God has a deep hatred of sin, because it destroys his creation, it destroys his people, he has an even deeper love for sinners, for those who are humble enough to turn to him for healing. This is the scandalous grace of God. No matter how far you've gone from God, you can come home to him. And not as a slave to try and pay off your debts. Not as a household servant just on the fringes. But as a child of God, near to the heart of God and in the family of God. And as Christians and as the church, this has implications for our mission in this world. We are to be part of welcoming rebellious runners home to God. We are to be extending the welcome of God. Now how can we do this? What what does this look like? Well maybe for you it simply means that you invite your neighbours over for dinner. Share a meal with them. Get to know them. Maybe it means that you talk to some of the other dads during kids soccer. You step out of your comfort zone. Maybe it means that you come 15 minutes early to church so that you can be here to welcome people. Maybe it means after church you step outside your circle to go and talk to the person who's who's standing on their own. Maybe it means you take this flyer for our Easter services and for Easter on the lawn and you just hand it to someone in your life and you say, hey, my church has a, a service on Easter Sunday and then afterwards we're hanging out with free food and rides and stuff for the kids. You would be so welcome to come along. We'd love to have you. And you give it to them. Are we opening our arms with the welcome from God? Because the arms of God are open towards us. Now this story, it could end right here and it would be a wonderful ending. But it doesn't. It goes on for another eight verses. Why? Because the truth is, not all of us have run from God like the younger son. Some of us have stayed near to God our entire lives. But the reality is, we might be just as lost as the younger son. And the danger is, we don't realize it. This is why in the next part of the story we are introduced to the third character, the proud older son. The son who did not run away but dutifully remained by the father's side but ended up missing the father's heart. Now we're told that while all of this was taking place, this older boy was in the field. In other words, he was hard at work serving the Father. And now he comes home at the end of the day and he can smell 
roast beef and he can hear clinking glasses and he hears the sound of a party. And so he asks the servant, he says, what's going on? And the servant tells him that his younger brother has come home. And his father has thrown a party for him because he's back safe and sound. Now unlike his father, this older son does not rejoice at his younger brother's safe return. He is enraged and he refuses to go into the party. He feels unappreciated and left out. No one has ever thrown him a party. He was faithful. He was dutiful. But what did it get him? Not even a small goat to celebrate with his friends. In other words, he feels like he has not received what he deserves, while his younger brother has received what he does not deserve. And so he refuses to go into this unfair party. Now it's clear who Jesus is aiming at in these verses. He's aiming at the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Remember, they were grumbling about Jesus, that he was eating and welcoming sinners, rebels. But Jesus is also aiming this at people like us. Many of us can relate to the older brother. We've spent our lives serving God. We've tried to live a good life. We've tried to do what is right. But maybe when something painful has happened to us, Or maybe when something we love was taken away. Or maybe when someone gets something that we want and that we think they don't deserve. We think to ourselves, that's not fair. After all that I've done for you, God. After the way that I've been slaving for you and serving you. How can you do this to me? If that's the case, we might be a little bit like this older son. You see, younger sons, they think that God is holding them back from the good life, so they disobey. But older sons, they think God owes them the good life because they have obeyed. And the shocking truth of this parable is that both sons end up lost, just in different ways. One ends up lost because of self-indulgence. The other ends up lost because of self-righteousness. And the shocking thing in this parable is that at the end, the dutiful, obedient, older son is on the outside of the party. He is suddenly estranged from his father. While the younger, rebellious son, he is celebrating in the party, celebrating his restored relationship with his father. Now, it's not that the father is playing favourites. The father actually does exactly the same thing for the younger son that he does for the older. He leaves the house, he leaves the party, he goes out to him. Pleads with him to come into the party. He says to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The father loves both of his sons and he wants to rejoice with both of them. So what happens? Does the older brother come into the party? The answer is we don't know. 
the story ends there. There's no verse 33. And we're left hanging with the question, will the older brother come in? And the reason the story ends this way is because the invitation is still open. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to this God who runs to embrace his children and to welcome them home? How are you going to respond to this God who even sends his own son from heaven to earth to pursue self-indulgent and self-righteous people like us? To pay the penalty for our rebellion upon the cross. To rise from death, to defeat our enemies and to offer to us restored relationship with our heavenly Father. See, when he was on the cross, Jesus didn't just hand over his best robe. He was stripped naked. He didn't just associate with sinners. He became sin for us. He didn't just sacrifice the fattened calf. He was sacrificed himself. And he didn't just come out of the house to plead with us. He left the glory of heaven to die for us. This is the scandal of God's grace. You get the position as a son or daughter of God because Jesus, God's perfect son, has paid the price of your rebellion on your behalf. So what's your response? Have you been running away from God? The younger brother shows us that we will never find true freedom apart from God. Freedom is not found in the far country, it's found in the arms of God. Now you might say, yeah, I could never do this whole Christian thing. I'm not a good person, I'm not a religious person. The question is not are you a good person or are you a religious person. The question is will you receive God's free gift of grace in Jesus? And Jesus doesn't want to turn you into a religious moralist. He wants to invite you into relationship with your heavenly Father who runs to embrace you. The arms of God are open. Or are you more like the older brother? Have you been standing on the outside of the party, upset that you're not getting what you deserve? Are you filled with anger and superiority and and bitterness? You won't find peace with God and others by slaving to earn your right standing with God. You will find it in the arms of Jesus who has earned it all for you. There is an old hymn that says, Lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him, in him alone, gloriously complete. The question is, will you come home to God? Will you rest in what God has done for you in Jesus? And will you be part of what God is doing in this world to extend his welcome? The arms of God are open to us. And this is the best news in the world. So let's draw near to him and let's invite others home. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, your arms are open. We don't deserve it, but your love is for the undeserving. And so we freely receive it and we freely rest in it today. And we ask.
that you might use us to extend your welcome in this world. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and respond in song.